0: Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. The devil, the devil means to use suffering as a way to make us question God. Uh, In Psalm 18, uh, David, uh, who wrote the psalm, is on a run for his life. uh, And he has actually been crowned the king of Israel. And he's on the run for his life. And there's absolutely no way that he should be on the run for his life. He's the king. But instead, he's scared he's going to die. The devil means to use situations like that where this, it's unfair, you're, you're not being treated right. He means to use situations like that to make you question God. Were you really the, are you really the anointed one? Uh, did God really mean that? Um, the, the devil wants to use the fact that you're not getting your way in some area of your life to, to, to draw things out of you that, that would normally horrify you, that you'd normally be embarrassed of. The devil means to use the things that you're afraid of. He means to put those things in front of you to get you to behave in a way that you might not normally behave or in a way that you wouldn't normally want to behave. Uh, Behavior that's certainly unacceptable for, for anyone who follows Jesus. The devil means to use fear and loss and struggle and suffering and death to destroy your holiness to produce enough self-pity and resentment and bitterness and self-centeredness. Um, but the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has different plans. And even though suffering and death and terrible things like that, those are the devil's tools. The Holy Spirit intends to, to, to show up and use the devil's own tools against him. He, in, the Holy Spirit intends to use suffering to reveal his holiness in us. The Holy Spirit intends to use suffering to reveal his holiness in us. Let me share this story. Um, Andrew Reve was a Frenchman who was born in 1573. Um, he's a theologian, Bible nerd, taught taught um, at the University of Leiden um, in Holland, Um, just greatly admired. Lots of people thought that he was very spiritual, uh, that people would have described him as someone who followed hard after God, being full of the spirit and faith. On Christmas Day of 1650, he was 77 years old. He preaches a sermon, and right after he preaches a sermon, he um, he falls ill uh, with some some disease of the abdomen, abdomen that they don't, they didn't know what it was at the time. He died. He died January seventh, um, sixteen fifty one. So whatever, like a little, two weeks, two weeks later. Before he died, before he died, this is what he said. This is what he said. The sense of divine favor increases me, increases in me every moment. And just pause right there. He's preaching on Christmas Day and falls terribly ill, like painfully ill. And this is what he has to say. The sense of divine favor increases in me every moment. My pains are tolerable and my joys inestimable. Inestimable. I am no more vexed with earthly cares. I remember when any new book came out that he wrote, how earnestly I have longed for it. But now all of that is but dust. You are my all, O Lord. My good is to approach to you. Oh, what a library I have in God. In whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You are the teacher of spirits. I have learned more divinity in these Ten days that you have come to visit me than I did in fifty years before. Um, really strong statement for someone who's been following Jesus all his life. The ten, day, <coughs> sorry, the ten days before he dies. He says these ten days that I've been deathly ill. I've learned more in these 10 days. When moments of stress and difficulty come, we want them to reveal heroic things about us. We, we want them to reveal things about us that they revealed in Jesus. For that to happen, we have to be full of the Spirit. We have to be full of the Spirit. And we have to drain everything else out. For that to happen, we have to be full. Of the, because, because in those moments, things come out of us that we don't intend and we don't want to say, that we didn't mean, that we have to backtrack and be like, whoa, 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 I, I didn't mean that. For that to happen, we have to be full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. Just after Jesus had risen from the dead, he showed himself to to. to you know, a few hundred people. And the future of the church and God's dream for his people are in the hands of this, this ragtag group of people. Uh, the, no kings among them. No, no, no polit- you know, politicians. There's no rulers. It's just this, this ragtag group of people. They give their lives to trusting and following Jesus. And as a result, the numbers of the disciples, they just keep growing and growing and growing and growing, increasing all the time. Everything is going great <clears throat> until uh, Greek widows are being, beginning to be ignored um, by the movement. So part of the movement um, that, that they had was taking care of people who would normally be ignored in the culture. And widows were certainly amongst those people. Um, one of the most vulnerable people in ancient times were widows. Um, we've talked about before. How about in, in, in the first century, women couldn't own anything. They were very vulnerable if their husband died and they didn't have any kids. So they would have no way of making money. So this new way, this, this new group of people, they said, we're going to take care of the most vulnerable people. Widows are on the top of that list. Um, some of you guys know that when Christianity first starts, it's, it's mostly a Jewish religion. Um, it's the, the fabric of it is, is Jewish. Something predictable happens then. So the, the, the people who were shown preference were Jewish widows because of their race. Uh, and so Jesus, when he first shows up, he says this. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But after Jesus resurrects from the dead, he says, just before he's taken up to heaven, he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all the Jewish people there, and in Judea, all the Jewish people there, and in Samaria, now that's getting a little crazy because that's half Jewish, but then into the ends of the earth. So as the movement grows, um, there are people who are not Jewish that begin to follow Jesus, and they have... You know, they have to deal with the racial tension there that comes with you know, being a part of this movement at the beginning, and so we're not told why it happens. But Jewish widows are getting food; um, they're getting they're they're getting taken care of, and the Greek widows are not getting taken care of. Um, it, you should assume that that's not a coincidence. So it's a tension. Um, it's an opportunity for the devil to slip in. Um, the, the, the pressure is on how will Christianity handle this thing, this new way. Um, how will they handle this? Will the new, the, this new pressure turn into something terrible? Um, and again, you can imagine that in our country or in a group of people, you've got this group of people and there's white people and there's black people. And all of a sudden, hey, I'm bringing up this problem. The black people are being ignored. That could end that group easily, easily. This problem's come up like this, and the 12 disciples get gathered together, all the Jesus followers, and they say, Well, we got a problem, we gotta we gotta take care of. And he says, here, Here's what I want you to do. All the disciples, you guys are here. I want you to pick people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Pick people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Now you think about this. Um, when someone's baptized, the Bible says that you know you get the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. But they go they go off their way to say, I want, I don't want you just to have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be full. Pick people who you think are full of the Holy Spirit. Which means it's gotta be something more than you've just been baptized. And they and they go on and it says this. It says this about one of the people they picked. They chose a man named Stephen, and he says, he's described this way He says, Stephen was a man full of faith. And of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to list, list all the other guys' names, like, you know, these Philip and all these other guys, but they don't, they don't say it the same way when they talk about them, though. They say, first, they were, we, we picked these guys. Let me, let me tell you about them. Stephen, and he's a dude that's full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and then there's Philip and Joe and Bob. And... See, that, that, that tells me something about Stephen, because you bothered to say, now that dude. He's full of faith, and he's full of the Holy Spirit. So let's let's pause for a second before we go any more. what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit or full of the Spirit? Um, I'm going I'm to share this verse with you. So let me let me pause. My daughter Silver back there is she's running slides, so she's catching up, putting slides. Um, I didn't have a chance to do slides this week, so we may have. If, we'll just see what we have. Um, let me share this verse with you about the Spirit. It says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. So Paul didn't say say this, debauchery um, is unrestrained pursuit of pleasure without concern for consequences. Um, so it was when you go after what you want and you don't care who it hurts or how it hurts or what happens. You're so a man named Paul is the person who wrote these verses. In his day, in order to get drunk off the wine that they had, you had to be intentional. You had to drink a lot. Um, and if you if you got drunk, it was probably because you were intending to get drunk. It, it, it was just, the, the content was low. It was, so... You had to consume a lot, and maybe that's our first clue about what he wants us to learn here is if you want to be full of the Spirit, you have to, it's going to be because you intended it, because you wanted it, because you chased it. Um, you, in order to be filled with the Spirit, you, you have to pursue it hard. So let me, I'll go on. It says this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now let's do this. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, like we just did with um, our worship teams. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to the God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The kind of intentionality um, that you would have to have to uh, to get drunk off a cheap wine, low-content alcohol, instead of instead of that kind of intentionality, be that intentional about immersing yourself, being filled with the spirit, being that intentional about about that. So let, let me say it this way. Let me say it this way. Um, if you uh, if you had a bucket and a sponge and then you filled you don't have to fill Just add gasoline to your bucket. What we like to do is this. We want to fill a bucket with gasoline. Soak in that and then when we pull, it, we pull out that sponge, we want to squeeze it out. And be, we want to expect water to come out. Or you want to expect lemonade to come out. You're like, ooh, let me put this in my drink. You want to soak in this, and then later on, when you squeeze out that sponge, you're like, ooh, hold on. Let me wash my car with this. That's silly, right? You can't soak a sponge in gasoline and expect anything. What, what's if you soak a sponge in gasoline, when you squeeze the sponge, what comes out? Gasoline comes out. Gasoline comes out. So, and, and, and this is it. This is it. This is this is why. This is why. While me and my wife are gone on our trip, and we're sitting in it, we're sitting in our plane, and you know we've been there, you know it's at the end. We're about to get off, and it's taken a while. And I'm frustrated, no doubt. But the dude behind us is like, "What's going on? Oh my gosh!" and and my is like, don't say nothing. But I can't help it. I can't help it. And here's why. Here's why. He's saying what I feel, but I'm just not saying it. And I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm soaking in gasoline. I'm soaking in gasoline. And then when that's squeezed, what I expect to come out is like, Oh, Holy Spirit! I love the Lord, and everyone. Be I'm so patient with this man behind me. That and it's that is why when you get into a fight with you get into a fight with your spouse, or you get into a fight with your sibling, you get in fight with your parents. When you say something you didn't intend, it's because of this. It's because of this. You're not filled with the Spirit. You've been soaking in gasoline, and now the opportunity to get squeezed. You, 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 you know someone who's obsessed with Fox News and CNN, and when they're squeezed, that's exactly what comes out of them. They're immersed in it. Someone here is immersed in pornography. And when you are pressed, what comes out of you is objectifying people at many different levels. And, we're, and again, I should pause, because sometimes like, when you do pornography, it makes it like uh, you're the worst sinner in the world. We're on the same boat. So one, if that's you, then we should talk. You won't be able to get out of it by yourself. But don't expect, don't expect good to come out when you're soaking in it. If you soak in that, you can't stop saying terrible things about yourself. You soak in that. You think about them all the time so that when you get when, when we squeeze what comes out is you you say those things out loud. Surprise! Surprise. This says this. With the, the, Ephesians 5 says this. Immerse yourself. Immer, fill this bucket and put your sponge, immerse them in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And when you're squeezed, what's gonna come out? Immerse yourself in them. This is what Jesus did, of course. And so in his most difficult moments, what comes out of him? Surprise. He's immersed. I mean, I, I, I don't think we can, we can't appreciate Jesus' greatness and what, when he says the things that he says, but he's at the most difficult moments of his life. And He says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which sounds, really, But he's quoting a psalm. He's quoting a psalm when he says that. He says, into your hands I commit my spirit. The last he says of his life that as he's about to die, he says, "Into your hands, I commit much." He's quoting a psalm. When he's squeezed, that's what comes out of him. It's because he's full of the spirit, and not because he is Jesus, but because he has done intentional things to be full of the Spirit. In addition to psalms and songs, songs are mentioned, um, music can take your word, take words to places that words alone could never go. Are you leveraging your music to be full of the Spirit? Are you leveraging your music to be full of the Spirit? So, I've shared this with some of you guys before. Here's my confession. In. I love the Beastie Boys. Love the Beastie Boys. If you go and listen to their catalog, it's, it's great. Um, <clears throat> so, um, recently, my daughter was introduced to some of the Beastie Boys songs. Um, one of the songs that one of our favorite songs is a song called "Girls." Um, just girl. Some of the lines are "Girls to clean up my room," "Girls to do the dishes," "Girls to do my laundry." Um, it's, it's pretty. What if I immerse myself in that? I immerse myself in that. When squeezed, what's going to come up? As opposed to there's another there's a YouTube song I love called Grace. And Grace in, in the song Grace is, is presented as a woman uh, who just understands when you've made things wrong how to help you make things right. So those two songs. Let's just pretend. I've only got one song to listen to for the rest of my life. I want to be a Jesus follower. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Which do I pick? Ephesians 5.8 says this. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Let me tell you how. Address each other one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, give thanks, gratitude, gratitude. We could talk forever about what we don't like, about your house, about our country, about our church, about your kids, about your parents, about whatever, about everything and anything. Give thanks always. Um, and God hasn't, hasn't, certainly things don't turn out how he planned it, but thank you for how you're teaching me in it. This guy, he's praying at the end of his life and thanking God for the situation. It, just, you can, it does not take a rocket scientist to understand that if I'm immersing myself in thankfulness, that that's what's going to come out of me. Thank you that I live in a place where I get to eat regularly. Thank thank you that I live in a place that has air conditioning and heat. What about the idea of just going on a walk, you get up and you walk out of your house and you just say, I'm just going to thank God for everything that I see that I like. That will fill you with the spirit. That will fill you with the spirit. And then when you are squeezed, what will come out of you? You guys, we complain to each other all the time. We do. And it's easy to do. I want us to be filled with, full with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Um, <clears throat> Luke says, pick some people full of the Spirit, and here's this guy Stephen who's full of the Spirit. So I want to show you. I'm gonna, you know, some of you guys have heard this before, certainly, but I want to show you. Finish it up by sharing with you what it looks like and how he how he behaves. Um, it's it's. It's insane. It's stupid. Um, <clears throat> Stephen won't shut up about talking about Jesus raised from the dead. He won't stop talking about him, uh, even when he's threatened. See, and so he's arrested. He's arrested, and uh, <clears throat> law and religious religious leaders were inter- in- intertwined at that time. So if if you were a, a lawyer, you were often t- you're you're in the room with priests and uh, people who who, would, uh, who were scribes who wrote wrote down the, the words so and religious leaders are, are, are basically in the same room so they, they bring Stephen into this room that's kind of like a like a courtroom and they try to debate with Stephen but Stephen is full of the spirit and they can't, they can't out debate him they can't make him shut up they can't make him shut up they even try to lie about him to, to, make, a, to make it bad for him and I don't think it's I don't think it's that that's far of a stretch for Stephen to be in a room with those guys and realize this could really be it. This this these guys could try to kill me. Um, and if this goes the wrong way, this could go really bad. And you would assume that Stephen would be terrified for his life. Like this is it. he's none of that. This is what Luke says about Stephen. In that moment when he should be terrified for his life. Everybody's gazing at him. And all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And I don't know what that looks like. What that means. But I, what I imagine is it's like you're on death row and somebody's wheeling you in on the, the, the thing where they're going to electrocute you or put, you, put something in your veins. And you're just like. I, I saw them wheel him in, and he had the face of an angel. He is full of the Spirit. Luke says, uh, is saying that this is what it looks like to be full of the Spirit. Death doesn't scare us into silence. We use it as a platform to make much of Jesus. And we, we don't know what Stephen's thinking, but maybe, maybe he's thinking of, of Jesus' promise that he made before he died. He says, whenever you guys are arrested... Whenever you're taking in front of people, don't worry about what to say. I got you. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you what to say. And maybe Stephen's thinking that. He's like, all these guys are lying about him. and and they're, They're mad and they're all amped up. And he's like, face of an angel. Thinking about, oh, Jesus told me this was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. Here we go. Right after that, Stephen speaks, and boy, does he speak. He launches into this whole sermon. That's a historical sermon. Um, If if you don't know uh, Israel's history, if you look at at, at, uh, Acts 6 and read what what Stephen says, it's basically like a history of Jewish people, from Abraham all the way to Jesus. And as I was reading that this week with you guys, I, I was trying to wrap my mind around what they would have been thinking about that. Because they know all that stuff. I mean, they'd be like, I, what's he giving us this sermon about? I don't know. But he launches into this historical sermon. It starts with, you know, the Abraham all the way to Jesus. He ends the sermon this way. This is what he, so his wrap up is this You stiff necked people uncircumcised in heart and ears you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so do you which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered you who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it now I don't know what you what do you think is going to happen after that after you say something like that. Maybe you said something, you, you, you've been in a situation and you said something to your you know, sideways to your mom or your dad. And you knew. After you said that. You're like, oh, I didn't know. I don't know what Stephen thought was gonna happen after he said that, but after Jesus, Stephen says these words out loud, the leaders who hear it are grit their teeth in rage. And they've been and here's why. They're supposed to be religious leaders and care about people and care for them. They've been soaking in bitterness and jealousy. deep and soaking in it so that Stephen does something to say, okay, let me, let's squeeze this out and see what comes out. And just what you would expect, just what you would expect comes out. He forces what, you know, he forces what they are to come out. Brutality and anger and murder and jealousy and pride. When Stephen gave a whole sermon, but these three last sentences is what get him. That's what gets him killed. That's what gets him killed. Anyone who was on Stephen's side, who was in the room, who was there, maybe they're praying. They're saying, "Okay, God, don't let Stephen say anything crazy." Um, But after he said that, they're like. When you are full of the Spirit, you are bound to say uh, things that sound crazy to some of us. When you're full of the Spirit, you're bound to say something something offensive to people, something that other people are like, I don't. Let's see what kind of Christian uh, he is. uh, if we give him one of the most gruesome deaths imaginable. You're so spiritual, Stephen. Why don't we stone you to death and see how spiritual you are then? When you're stoned, you're so... Typically, when you're stoned, some of you guys know that you're buried, at least up to the waist, sometimes up to the head. And then... Sometimes my friends and I, maybe some of you guys, you'd throw rocks at each other when you were kids, but like they were like... These are like fist-sized rocks. And it's hard, I mean, when I think about this, it's heart- heartbreaking to me. It's hard for me to imagine doing that to another person. You surround them, you, you surround them and you throw fist-sized rocks at, at people. That's the smallest. All that's happening. He's me. As he's being hit by rocks, two things come out of him. Two things come out of him. First one. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Second thing, Lord, do not hold us against them. Would it give you pause if you're standing there throwing rocks at somebody and they say, Lord, don't hold us against them? You'd be like, oh, I think I'm on the wrong side. I think I did something wrong. Those are the two things that come out of him. Lord, receive my spirit. Lord, do not hold this against him. Do those, those, those sound familiar at all? Didn't I, is this a rerun? Didn't I hear this one before? Everybody, everybody, everybody in there would know. I think I heard this one before. Certainly the Jesus followers in there would know. They like, We know why he said that. And here's why, here's why, here's why. He's been soaking in the words of Jesus, so that when he is squeezed, that's what comes out. He is ready, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. That is what I want for us. And you—does that describe how you think or what you do? You meditate on and soak in the words of Jesus like that, so that when you are squeezed, that's what comes out? Is there something, or how about we say it like this? Is there something you are soaking in more than the words of Christ, in the word of the Lord? Falling to his knees, he cried out in a loud voice, he wants to make sure they know, Lord, do not hold this against them. And after that, he fell asleep. How I long to have the words of Christ on my lips at my death. I want to be so full of the Spirit. That the things that come to mind, and the things that overflow out of my mouth, are the things of Christ. Um, and before my time to die has come, I pray that every challenge and every bit of suffering and everything that stands in my way between me and Christ, my response would be to be spirit-filled. One pastor says it this way. Listen to this quote. Death had failed utterly as a curse to destroy the love and holiness of Jesus. And now, because Stephen was filled with the spirit of Jesus, death fails again. The devil designs for your death to produce despair and hopelessness and self-pity and resentment and bitterness. But the design of the Holy Spirit is very, very different. He destroys the power of death and makes death into an occasion for showing the beauty of Christ. Lord, do not hold this sin against him. A great triumph of Christ's like mercy. Mm. In your face death, in your face suffering, you don't tell me what to do. You don't tell me what to say. What overflows out of me is from the source. As we prepare to take communion together today, if you didn't get a communion, some communion elements, um, there are some out in the lobby. Um, We'd love for you to take communion together with us. Here's what we mean when we take communion together. We proclaim the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes. While we take communion together today, though, I'd like for you to just assess What are you soaking in? You're soaking in something. What are you soaking in? And what tends to come out when you're squeezed? Let's be honest. It's an opportunity for us to begin the process of being filled with the Spirit. It's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to happen quick. Stephen didn't become the person he was overnight. They picked him because he'd probably been on that path for a very long time. But that ain't. maybe today is the first day that you can decide, I'm going to be immersed I'm going to be soaking in the spirit. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the words of Christ, you pick. Let's pray together. Dear Father, thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. when we are baptized you promise to give to the Holy Spirit you always keep your promises I pray that from, if we've never made the decision to be, if we've never in, intentionally made the decision to trust and follow Jesus, and be baptized into your family, that we would you would motivate us you would get us to start that conversation to say I want to trust and follow Jesus with my life and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never done that, I pray, I pray, Father, that you would you'd put that in the hearts of the, of the people this morning. And then for all of us who have done that, I pray that you would teach us how to be full of the Spirit. To not just be, not just be um, satisfied with the gift of the Spirit, but that we intend to live full of the Spirit like Jesus did and certainly like Stephen did. I pray that you would reveal to us the kinds of things that we're soaking in so that we can make things right by repenting and turning it over to you. Help us during this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com